0: Hey everyone, it's Dick. And Max. The hosts of Off the Cuffs, a kink and BDSM podcast. A podcast for those in the lifestyle and those who are curious about it. Each week we sit down with a different guest to discuss their radioactive spider bite into kink. And it gives everybody a chance to express themselves in matters of sexuality. And a platform in which to express it. It's conversational, it's educational, and it's a lot of fun. More and more people have been reaching out to us, telling us what they've learned about themselves just from us sharing our stories with each other every week. So find Off the Cuffs on iTunes or your favorite podcast streaming service and follow us on twitter and instagram at ocp kink on november 16th 1957 police investigating the disappearance of a plainfield wisconsin hardware store owner came upon a gruesome scene in the farmhouse of one edward theodore Gean.
1: their discovery would become one inspiration for toby hooper's revolutionary horror film the texas chainsaw massacre
0: this is based on a true crime
1: everyone, and welcome to this episode of Based on a True Crime. My name is Chelsea, and I love true crime.
0: And my name is David, and I love horror movies.
1: And before we start, we just want to give some shout-outs for our new five-star reviewers. Uh, we actually had quite a few since last time. So Zimbelina gave us a five-star review and also sent us a really nice message on Instagram. So thank you. We also got five-star reviews from Richard Lionheart, MythLover1903. Skylar, who's my sister. Thank you, Skylar. charlize 26 Sil Sill9MXM, and Carson, 218 And we also wanted to give a quick shout out to the Off the Cuffs podcast that uh, we've been chatting with. And you might have heard their ad um, in the beginning of last episode and this episode. So it's a cool podcast if you're into kinky shit, (laughs) Um, which to each their own, I think, should indulge in uh, in those impulses or else you might become a the next jeffrey dahmer unless your impulse is to become the next jeffrey dahmer <laughs> then don't indulge in that um but it's really great they actually have a really great episode that's interviewing the guy who made uh, tickled the documentary uh, david and i watched it just last year that's a really really interesting it definitely uh, appeals to The true crime sensibilities it's kind of uncovering this mystery behind these guys that entered into tickling competitions and were blackmailed it's it's nuts um just just watch it if you haven't and then uh check out the off the cuffs interview with um that guy it's a really great interview
0: yeah check them out
1: yes and then uh we also got some correct guesses for this week's episode, Carrie Marie on Facebook and Taylor, which is Chippy TFT on Twitter. So, what was this or what is this week's episode, David?
0: The film aspect of it is 1974's The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Toby Hooper's horror masterpiece, immediately cementing him in the world of horror film as a true master of horror. And we just wanted to it was it's you know, it's been a tough week for a lot of us horror movie loving folks as heroes passing away. We had George Romero recently, and now we have Toby Hooper, who suddenly passed away. And that was a tough one. Um, you know, he has a, an amazing body of work. And, and Chelsea and I saw the original The Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the 40th anniversary screening together. We share a, a dual love for part two, which he directed.
1: Yes very much
0: and um when we get into the film portion you know we'll we'll spend some time on his filmography but just wanted to acknowledge his passing and also just briefly mention how uh important he is in the world of horror and it'll really help kick off this discussion which is a discussion of
1: Ed, Ed Gein <laughs> yeah. um so so yeah let's get into it All right. So for our for our teaser Tuesday this week, I posted a picture of, it's a work of art called Christina's World by Andrew Wyeth. And in some interviews, actually, I think it was a QA, and a Toby Hooper mentioned that this painting was kind of an inspiration for the visuals of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the kind of aesthetic. So it's a girl laying in kind of this yellow field, and you see a farmhouse in the distance. And, you know, juxtaposing that image with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I think you could really kind of see part of the influence. Um, the other influence, he said he was walking around a hardware store and he imagined what it would be like to pick up a chainsaw and just start killing everyone, which who hasn't thought that when they're out shopping, right?
0: Yeah, you see um, a chainsaw, it's like, yeah. come on, what am I going to do with this? I'm not going to cut yeah. down trees.
1: And then the third influence, probably the biggest influence, I would say, is Ed Gein. So the case of Ed Gein is fairly notorious. I think uh, even the people who are here maybe for the horror movies and not the true crimes might know a little bit about Ed Gein.
0: Yeah, that's kind of where I was at.
1: Yeah, and he's the inspiration for Leatherface. So we're going to start with a discussion about him and then David's going to talk about some serial killing families that I think could kind of encompass the larger killing network within the Texas Chainsaw Massacre series. Um, But uh, Ed Gein is not only the inspiration for Leatherface he's also one of the inspirations for Norman Bates which you'll see in the story the kind of mother mother obsession what is it? I, mean, I don't know if it's an edible complex but it's oh, something yeah. well, like bits because it's not about a sexual relationship or desire it's like wanting to become you know your mother
0: wait did you say edible complex <laughs>
1: Nom, nom, nom. <laughs> no, Ed Gein isn't a cannibal. At least I don't think. I, d- I didn't see it anywhere in my research, so I'm assuming that. Yeah, no,
0: I I, um, I saw some that were like, no, that he wasn't actually a cannibal. No. Um, yeah, no, Psycho's a, a, definitely a good one. And, yes. Yeah.
1: And also, he is an inspiration for Buffalo Bill. <laughs> from Ooh, like yeah. One of my all-time favorite movies, Silence of the Lamb. So Buffalo Bill, you'll remember, is the one creating the woman suit. <laughs>
0: um yeah and uh I think that you need to start sneaking that into every episode just like um I've done in the past with my movie
1: yeah what movie is that David
0: A Nightmare on Elm Street
1: <laughs> <laughs> so then yeah so getting into it uh, Edward Theodore Geen. Uh, who went by Ed, was born August 27th, 1906 in La Crosse County, Wisconsin. His parents were George and Augusta Gein, and he had an older brother named Henry George Gein. Uh, Augusta hated her husband, but she was a devout Lutheran, and she didn't feel like she could divorce him due to those strong religious beliefs. Uh, George Gein was an alcoholic, and he had trouble keeping down a job, Augusta ended up operating a small grocery store that George owned. And eventually they would sell the shop and buy a farm on the outskirts of Plainfield, Wisconsin. And one thing that she preferred about kind of living on this remote farm is that she could keep her boys isolated from the outside world because she felt that the world was a bad influence, Um, especially all of those harlots, you know, living out there being women and such. So besides going to school, the boys had essentially no contact with the outside world. And at home, Augusta would preach Old Testament Bible. And she taught the boys that all women except for her were prostitutes and instruments of the devil.
0: That is hardcore.
1: Very hardcore, yes. Uh, So Ed Gein was extremely attached to his mother. And he always wanted to please her, despite the fact that she would frequently physically and verbally abuse them. And she did that because she believed that they were destined to become failures like their father outside of the home, so at school, which was basically his only experience outside of the home. He was bullied for his feminine demeanor. He was also a bit odd. He would kind of laugh randomly for no reason. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Yeah, just like that. So George Gein died of a heart attack in 1940. And after that, Ed and his brother Henry would begin to work kind of odd jobs to get a little more income for the house. They were considered honest and reliable workers. And actually, Ed Gein was a particularly good babysitter. (laughs) Imagine having Ed Gein as a babysitter. Oh, yeah. Um, That's wild. Yeah. So they said that he seemed to kind of relate more with the children. Whatever that means. Mm. So Henry ended up becoming a bit rebellious. And one thing he started to do as he got a little bit older and, you know, got more exposed to the terrible outside world, uh, he started to speak ill of his mother to Ed. And on May 16th of 1944, Henry Gein mysteriously died in a brush fire close to the farm. (laughs) Yes, Mm. that skeptical look. Exactly. So the brothers became separated when they went outside to put the fire out And after the fire was gone, Ed could not find Henry. They went out with a small search party and found his body on the ground. And the place where his body was found was not touched by fire. And he had bruises on his head. And the coroner said that his cause of death was asphyxiation. But Gein was never charged, although he was suspected.
0: Yeah, that's super suspicious. Yeah, a
1: little bit suspicious. So in December of 1945, December 29th, Ed Gein's mother died after having several strokes. And Ed Gein lost essentially the only relationship he had left in his life. So he boarded up all of the rooms that his mother used, including... The entire upstairs and the downstairs parlor and living room and left those rooms completely untouched while he lived in squalor in the remainder of the house I
0: hope he didn't board up the bathroom
1: <laughs> oh no it doesn't say there so i guess his mother never used the bathroom i guess not so fast forward to november 16th of 1957 the owner of a plainfield hardware store named bernice warden disappeared her last sale slip from earlier that morning was for a gallon of antifreeze. And Warden's son recalled that the night before, Ed Gein had come to the store and he said that he would be back the following morning for antifreeze. The police searched Gein's property and in a shed, they found Warden's decapitated body and she was, quote, dressed out like a deer. But that is not all they found. <laughs>
0: I'm a little scared right now.
1: Yeah. So I'm just going to go through this list word for word. It's from Wikipedia, but it's too good to change. (laughs) All right. Whole human bones and fragments. A waste basket made out of human skin. Human skin covering several chair seats. Skulls on his bedposts. Female skulls, some with the tops sawn off. Bowls made out of human skulls. A corset made from a human torso skinned from shoulders to waist. Leggings made from human skin, masks made from the skin of female heads, Mary Hogan's face mask in a paper bag, Mary Hogan's skull in a box, and we will get to who Mary Hogan is in just a minute. Uh, Bernice Warden's entire head in a burlap sack, Bernice Warden's heart in a plastic bag in front of Gein's stove, nine vulva in a box a young girl's dress and the vulvas of two females judged to have been about 15 years old a belt made from human nipples four noses a pair of lips on a window shade drawstring a lampshade made from the skin of a human face and fingernails from female fingers
0: i i was tr- i was like sh- are there any jokes that even can be made but no it's too overwhelming
1: <laughs> yeah
0: yeah i mean wow. nipple belt No, no. No,
1: not funny. A little bit? No. Yeah, you're right.
0: Wow. That's intense, though. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I can't imagine having to document all of that, especially in, what, 1957?
1: Yeah. Well, to document it, all of these artifacts were photographed at the state crime laboratory, and then they were destroyed. So it turns out that most of these artifacts were not, you know, gathered through Ed Gein murdering people he's not even actually a serial killer or like considered a serial killer he's they say he's a grave robber and murderer which I think you often think of him in the same breath as like a Jeffrey Dahmer and Ted Bundy but these were um, through grave robbing
0: and <laughs> so. that that aspect of, I don't know it's such mixed feelings I feel like had he not killed or murdered anyone it would have been a, a little bit of a different
1: story Yes. I mean,
0: it's outrageous and awful. Yeah. Just, yeah. Wow. Yeah,
1: but he did kill people, though. So, yeah. so yeah. So most of these items were made from bodies that were gathered over multiple visits to local graveyards. Gein said that he would make these visits in a trance-like state, and that he went. About 40 times. But on 30 of those occasions, he snapped out of his trance and just returned home without robbing any graves. And then on about 10 occasions, he actually dug up the bodies of recently buried middle-aged women who reminded him of his mother. Because he wanted to make a woman suit for himself so that he could essentially become his mother. The police... Ended up checking some of the graves that he said he robbed and they found them empty. So this corroborated his story. But besides Bernice Warden, as I mentioned earlier, there was one other person who he actually killed. And this was Mary Hogan. She was a tavern owner and she had been missing since 1954. Her remains were found in his house, but he claimed to have no memory of killing her. For Bernice Warden, he said that he accidentally shot her while testing out a gun in her store and that he has no memories after that of taking the body back to his house. On November 21st of 1957, Gein was arraigned for the first time, but he was found mentally incompetent and he was sent to the Central State Hospital for the Criminally Insane and then to the Mendata State Hospital in Madison, Wisconsin. More than 10 years later, on November 7th of 1968, Yeen was finally found fit for trial. Uh, This trial was held without a jury at the request of the defense. And Judge Robert H. Gommer found Gein guilty of first-degree murder, but then would judge that he was legally insane. So he was sent back to the Central State Hospital for the criminally insane, and he remained there until July 26th of 1984 when he died. He died from respiratory failure due to lung cancer at age 77. He is interred between his parents and his brother at Plainfield Cemetery his grave is unmarked because his gravestone was being vandalized frequently yeah surprise 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 um so his gravestone was vandalized frequently and then was actually stolen in 2000 and then recovered in 2001 Jeez. yeah Gein's home So the house where he had his kind of gruesome collection uh, and that property burned to the ground on March 27th, 1958, three days before it was scheduled to be auctioned off. And there were rumors before that that it would probably be auctioned off to someone who would turn it into like a tourist a tourist trap. Maybe maybe trap's the wrong word. A tourist <laughs> traction? Wow, um, yeah.
0: I feel like, yeah, the arson seems very suspicious.
1: Yes, yes. And arson was suspected, but it was never confirmed. And when Gein was told what happened, he said, quote, just as well. And also as a bonus, so as I mentioned, he is not a serial killer because... I, I know the definition of serial killer can kind of vary. Some people say two victims is enough. Some people say it has to be three. But he was also only tried for the murder of Bernice Warden and not Mary Hogan because um, they decided it would be too costly. Though he did admit to killing Mary Hogan, although he didn't remember any of it. So so yeah, Ed Gein, not a serial killer, but pretty creepy. <laughs>
0: Yeah, really creepy yeah. and dangerous, and yep. a murderer. So,
1: inspiration for Leatherface. Whew. All right, David, it's your turn. Yeah, How that awful you? list yeah. of
0: uh, every all the evidence is still kind of sticking with me. It, it's, ooh.
1: Yeah. Try not to uh, picture it, and also don't Google it. Oh. <laughs> don't don't yeah. Google image search it. No. <laughs> Save yourself.
0: Save yourselves.
1: Yeah. <laughs> all right. Why don't you tell us about some serial killing families?
0: All right, so I'm going to talk about serial killing families that aren't just couples, but involve the parents and the children in order to kind of show some, I guess, uh, reflection of the the families as portrayed in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre series. So we're going to start off with the Benders, which I uh, just want to give a shout out to an episode of the Murder Road Trip
1: podcast. Yes, it was actually, it's their debut episode. So Murder Road Trip is one half of the recently disbanded you want some ice cream? <laughs>
0: yeah, we have an ice cream truck coming through the neighborhood right now. That's really creepy timing.
1: Yeah. Peek out the window see there's a clown driving it. Yeah. Um, hmm. But yeah, so it's uh, one half of the recently disbanded Curiosity Kills podcast, um, so it's her new show. And it's great. I'm really digging it so far. The premise of their podcast is that they are on a road trip going to the sites of different murders around the country, and their debut episode was about the Bloody Benders, <laughs> the Bender family in Kansas. So why don't you tell us all about the benders david
0: yeah um yeah is that a sitcom all about the benders the bloody benders
1: (laughs) oh god (laughs) that's my kind of sitcom that's like the only sitcom that i would watch a sitcom about the benders yeah Yeah.
0: all right well we'll we'll talk about it a little bit um so john bender his wife elvira bender great name and son john jr also their daughter or possibly the daughter-in-law kate are the family and in october of 1870 they moved to osage in west Western Labette County, Kansas, where they built a cabin on some land adjacent to the Great Osage Trail, and that was the only open road for traveling any further west. The cabin that they built was divided by a canvas cover, with the front half being a general store to serve travelers, and it contained a kitchen and a dining table, and travelers would stop by to have a meal or even spend the night. So between 1869 and 1872, uh, frequent disappearances would happen on the trail by their cabin, which was typically attributed to, quote, horse thieves and villains. But, you know, some of the bodies of the missing were found nearby with their skulls crushed. Hmm.
1: Yeah, the plot thickens. Yes.
0: So in the winter of 1872, George Newton, Longcore, and his infant daughter, Marianne, they went missing while traveling west while they were trying to resettle in Iowa. When a neighbor went to look for them, um, it was Dr. William Henry York, he also disappeared. So York's brother, Colonel Ed York, went looking for them. The Benders admitted that William York had stayed with them for a night, but they blamed the Osage Indians for his disappearance. York became suspicious, and he started to suspect that the, it was the Benders when he heard about how Ma Bender had chased a woman away from the inn with a knife unfortunately no one was really paying attention to the benders and you know the family could tell that there were people who were suspicious of them and so they fled and they ended up never resurfacing yep.
1: there were some rumored sightings and rumors of them you know pulling the same kind of act in other cities in later years but they were never conclusively found and yeah who knows what became of them maybe yeah, that's the- your great great grandfather ah david david bender right oh yeah yeah
0: <laughs> um so they didn't resurface they i guess they got away with it what happened afterwards was that york and a number of volunteers went to investigate the property and they noticed that there was a bad odor that was coming out of a trap door in the floor hmm mm,
1: yeah the plot thickens even more yeah the plot starts to become smelly
0: yep so they check out the trap door and it turns out that there there were no bodies found they had actually been already moved to the vegetable garden and the orchard a total of 11 bodies ended up being found including that of dr york poor dr york and well poor everyone else yeah but... i wonder
1: i have to ask skylar if she would hunt for me if i went missing the way yeah. colonel york does go colonel york that's like pretty badass you know who knows how much longer this family i mean seems like they were just going to do it until they got caught so he put a stop to that even though they got away with it Uh, yeah could you imagine
0: though like you know the moment you become suspicious like hearing the stories about a family that could have possibly murdered one of your loved ones
1: it was so i didn't get into this because you know there's a lot of other stories i didn't want to water it down too much but i guess kate bender was like a clairvoyant or claimed to be So one way they would get people to come to their cabin was to say, you know, like, read your tarot cards or whatever they did back then. (laughs) Um, And, like, she was also really beautiful. So they could kind of use that to attract, you know, a lot of male travelers and get them to stay. So when Colonel York went there asking about, you know, his brother, the parents were not very welcoming. But Kate was like, oh, if you come back in a couple days, I'll, like, use my psychic abilities to help you find him. But then by the time he came back, the family was gone. (laughs) So, yeah. They're Trixie. They're a Trixie family. Yeah, pretty tricky.
0: Um, So they found the 11 bodies and all but one, who was a little girl, had their heads bashed in with a hammer and their throats had been slit. So they figured out what happened. And uh, the setup that they had was guests would come to stay at the inn. They'd get a special seat at the table and their back would be to the curtain. Uh, they were sitting in the chair that was actually positioned over the trap door, like, I guess, Jabba the Hut style. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, and then one of the male benders would sneak up on the guest in the chair from behind the curtain. They'd have a hammer and then strike him in the head and then slit their throat just to ensure that they would die. And then they were dropped through the trap door into the cellar. Um, it wasn't just for money but also for the thrill and the reason we know this is because there were some firsthand accounts confirmed by people who had narrowly escaped being murdered by the bender family
1: yeah they're kind of interesting stories i guess one was from a man that was going to sit and have a meal with them but refused to sit in that uh that seat of honor in front of the curtain because the curtain was like nasty and stained with blood and he i think i think it was kate like chased him out with a knife after he refused to to sit there to stay with them and then the other one was a man who was gonna stay there but saw i think like pa Bender like sneaking the like hammer into like his jacket or whatever it's like you know, never mind yeah i'm just gonna just gonna go yeah bye yeah yeah
0: so if the you know you're ever in this situation pick your chair
1: yeah uh, look down see if there's a trap door look behind you if there's a curtain stained with blood uh maybe run <laughs> run don't walk yep yeah
0: do not pass go yeah uh, wait um, pass go what's the saying
1: i think hmm. do not pass well do not pass go is like when you're going to jail in monopoly okay
0: so right. pass go yeah <laughs> i don't know how does this co- it comes up in every episode i don't know i guess i know nothing
1: you know nothing, Jon Snow. I didn't even watch that show. Uh, um,
0: I hear it's popular. Yeah. All right, so.
1: <laughs> so yeah, so that's that is the story of the Benders, uh, the- active in the end of the 19th century, 1870s. It's interesting to me how different some of these stories would be if like people had cell phones. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I sometimes think that with these older these older murder stories like. I feel like these people would go missing and it would be so long before anyone even notices because if they're traveling on this trail out West, you know, you have to take all those days into account and then however long it would take for them to send word back that they made it safely.
0: Yeah. It certainly changes things. Technology, right? It's like,
1: I feel like I don't um. go like 12 hours without talking to my parents. So yeah, they'd know if anything's up, don't murder me.
0: No, nope, 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 nope. Definitely not. Don't murder me. I got my eye on you.
1: Mm-hmm. Wait, are you talking to me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're
0: talking to like the general audience.
1: Yeah, I was talking to the general audience, not you. <laughs> not expecting you to murder me.
0: Uh, <gasps> never.
1: <laughs> Hear that, listeners? If I go missing, if our episode comes out late, it stops coming out.
0: Oh, geez, man. What? <laughs> our episodes always come out late. What are you talking <laughs> yeah, about?
1: They do. <laughs> All right. Okay. We've so we've got one more. Yeah, one we more got one more family. Murdering family. We do,
0: and they're the Sonny Bean clan, which uh I don't know about that. It sounds like a band or something. Um, so the Sonny Bean clan, they're the inspiration for, well, West Craven's The Hills Have Eyes. And we're talking about this particular case and its similarities to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, not only were they a family of killers, but they're cannibals? nom um, nom nom nom. Nom nom Unlike the Bender family, there's not much evidence that the Saunee Bean Clan actually existed. And there are some thoughts that maybe it was political propaganda at the time... Um, or there's there's some evidence that there is a basis um, that they actually existed. But regardless, there are no contemporary accounts. And the years that this um, these murders took place vary wildly.
1: It's become almost like a legend now or folklore. So you could hear a few different versions of this story. So I don't know if I would prefer that it have some basis in reality. I guess I would prefer that it didn't because it's a cannibal clan (laughs) but but it's it's an interesting story nonetheless
0: well chelsea the legend goes that alexander bean was born in east lothian scotland uh during the 1500s he didn't have a taste for honest labor and when he met a similarly inclined woman they moved into a coastal cave together as you do In yes
1: that's what we did yeah
0: yeah move into a cave
1: don't try to find us at high tide
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah nope don't do it uh but they moved to the cave together in uh where they lived for 25 years and they you know reportedly had eight sons six daughters 18 grandsons and 14 granddaughters so the numbers add up in an odd way that can only lead us to believe that there was perhaps some incest involved
1: Yes, if you're living in a cave with just your sons and daughters, and suddenly you have grandsons and granddaughters, they weren't finding spouses on Tinder or Match.com.
0: <laughs> and they weren't frogs.
1: No. So yeah, ew.
0: Yeah, yuck. So they had a big crew. And at night, the family would set booby traps to rob and murder travelers. They would then take the bodies back to the cave, and then they would dismember and eat eat them the villagers started to notice that there were disappearances with the local population and they also were suspicious well because body parts started washing up on the shore
1: that does sound suspicious
0: it, it's a little suspicious so what do you do well you start a search and they tried to find the source of the mysterious body parts and one night when the Sani beans decided to ambush a couple um, a married couple who were riding home from a fair
1: got more than they bargained for (laughs) They
0: did it turns out that the man was skilled in combat and he was able to hold off the family members who were attacking until more people were able to arrive and unfortunately though his wife was killed in the ensuing conflict so with the existence of this cannibal clan proven king james the Sixth of scotland sent 400 men and several bloodhounds uh, to hunt them down they found the cave and rounded up the family They captured them alive. And inside the cave, what they found were many human remains and evidence of these murders and also evidence of cannibalism. They were punished. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, as you do in the 1500s, the clan was executed without a trial and they divided the family up. Uh, The men had their genitalia cut off, also had their hands cut off and their feet cut off, and they were blood to death. The women and children, well, they didn't really have it any better because they were burned alive after they watched the men die.
1: I feel like we should debate that. Did they have it better?
0: No, I said they didn't have it better.
1: Yeah, but did they have it better?
0: <laughs> oh. I mean, they had to witness <gasps> What's their-
1: What's worse? Oh, God. Those are both like yeah, terrible Yeah. No, they're awful. That's like,
0: that's like definite punishment to the w- women and the children. Yeah. They, they weren't spared. It wasn't like yeah. they didn't kill them. And being burned alive.
1: I ah. feel like they're both like slow and painful and terrible, but I- yeah. I guess I guess the bleeding, I feel like at least burning alive, it's like, it's not that slow.
0: No, it would be slower than having all your blood gush out because I feel like you get your really? limbs and arteries severed and then you just bleed out and pass out and die.
1: I feel like we would need to do some like actual calculations in terms of the rate of blood flow from leg and hand or I guess ankle and hand stumps plus genitalia stumps and see exactly how long it would take to bleed out enough to die. Or would you just die from like shock?
0: Oh, yeah. I think the shock would do it.
1: At yeah. least pass out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You would just hope that being burned alive, the smoke mm. inhalation would, you would just like pass out or something. Yeah. I feel like Ooh. I would feel myself cooking if I were burned
1: alive. Uh, why are we talking about this again?
0: I don't know. The end.
1: Yeah. The <laughs> end. Jeez. Yeah. I don't have any discussion questions. Um, this uh, was like, so This this is another mini-so that is going to be a full-length episode because there's a lot to talk about so it's mini sewed um format in terms of a, a couple little bite-sized stories yeah <laughs> yeah but
0: I think the um the Ed Gein and the story of these two families do a really great job of setting up our film discussion of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre so great job researching it I get it haha <laughs> i get the fruits of your labors by getting to read it <laughs> yeah next
1: next minisode we're gonna divide the research again because i like making you read about it
0: yeah no yeah. i know i always get to talk about the genital dismemberments and yeah oh, i mean we save those for you what's the f- how would you say that? dismemberments is that body part or
1: i think it's when they cut off your member so exactly yeah. what cut off genitalia is yep yeah
0: yep All right. So sit tight, and we're going to jump into our discussion of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre here in a second. What happened was true. The most bizarre and brutal series of crimes in America. survives what will be left the texas chainsaw massacre after you stop screaming you'll start talking about it whoo after it's <laughs> Talking about those uh, real-life crimes, I'm all pumped up to talk about this movie.
1: Yes, let's do it.
0: All right, so the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is 1974 film directed by Toby Hooper, and it details a trip by brother and sister Sally and Franklin Hardesty, who have heard rumors that perhaps their grandfather's grave has been vandalized in Texas. And they take a group of friends out to, you know, see what's going on. And there they encounter a crazed Hitchhiker, they stumble upon a farmhouse that happens to not be empty, but is in fact occupied by a family of cannibals, particularly the infamous Leatherface who proceeds to chase down the friends one by one. That's Texas Chainsaw (laughs) Massacre. The end. Yes.
1: What's your now playing? Oh, wait. Oh, wait. (laughs) Hey, yeah. All
0: right. So this film really is a groundbreaking horror movie that... It's listed as one of the top scariest movies of all time. Not only is it scary, but it's also highly regarded um, in terms of the quality of the motion picture. So before we talk about our thoughts on the film, um, I just want to go into a little bit of background and to set the stage of our discussion. Starting with, well, Toby Hooper, whom we mentioned early in the episode, sadly passed away recently
1: pretty young too mid 70s passed away of causes unknown (laughs) yeah or at um, least not made public
0: right and whether or not we find Mm -hmm. out what it was i don't know Mm -hmm. um hopefully he was not murdered by a cannibal family hopefully yeah (laughs)
1: like i didn't like your portrayal of cannibals
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that, that would be awful um so yes toby hooper when asked about uh the meaning of his film He says, quote, it's about America, man. It's about America.
1: And how high was he when he said that?
0: Probably pretty (laughs) high. But uh, he and uh, writing partner Kim Hinkle both wrote the screenplay together, and they were very hands-on in the making of the film. A lot of cast and crew have mentioned how hands-on Kim Hinkle was in terms of the making of the film and also you know giving a shout out to production designer bob burns who is responsible for detailing the sawyer's house out in well a lot of things that chelsea mentioned in terms of the evidence they found in the gain house
1: i want that job yes
0: it it was some of the most gruesome i think uh set dressings well I mean I feel like it is one of the more of all time but at the time especially none of that yeah. stuff had been seen on screen.
1: Yeah. No, I'm I'm not joking. I want that job. I like with my experience of reading so much about awful serial killers and murders and murder scenes plus like my imagination give me that job someone yeah (laughs) i want to design horror houses (laughs) yes
0: well then you know the natural evolution of that is the uh like the cave in the uh i mean the mines or the tunnels and all that in texas chainsaw massacre 2 where it's like gruesome but neon 80s you know full tilt pop art
1: oh are we already getting into Texas? let's give texas chainsaw the original it's due before we talk about how much i love uh, texas chainsaw massacre too that's just not fair no 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 it's (laughs) not
0: fair all right well it stars uh marilyn burns as sally she has a pretty good list of credits to her name some of the ones that stood out to me were 1976's helter skelter where she plays linda caspian whom you may recognize her name from our previous episode of the manson family
1: yes Gone full circle.
0: Yes, full circle. And then she's also in Toby Hooper's Eaten Alive, which also stars well it doesn't star but features Robert England.
1: Yes, and that's actually one that we have on our list for future episodes because it is based on a real guy that fed people to alligators or crocodiles, I can't remember. Wasn't of those two yeah it's yeah. real
0: sleazy so
1: <laughs> yeah the story is pretty sleazy franklin
0: uh who's sally's brother, he's, uh, the guy that's in the wheelchair he uh, what what's his catchphrase chelsea <laughs> yes
1: <laughs> yes i was doing that to david all last night we were watching the movie yeah
0: um paul parchen also the friends jerry played by alan danziger kirk played by william vale pam played by terry McMinn. the hitchhiker edwin neal old man who is paul sawyer is uh, Jim jim who's actually has a long history of credits to his name. He was sort of the, the famous one of the bunch. Leatherface, Gunnar Hansen, the late great.
1: Uh everyone's dying.
0: Yeah, I know. And uh, Grandpa Sawyer is played by John Dugan. Who this will come kind of come full circle to our screening of the movie. Uh we watched uh, this film actually the night before we recorded this at the overlook lodge which is a really great bar in Cincinnati that is themed after Stephen King's The Shining.
1: Yes, it's awesome. Currently my favorite bar in Cincinnati as long as we're not counting breweries as bars, which I don't.
0: Yeah. So it was a it was a great uh it was a great way to see the movie. Um, you know, big big sheet screen and cocktails and all that good stuff. It was a r- pretty fun crowd to see it with and hey it doesn't doesn't hurt that it was introduced by a, a member of the movie
1: yes john dugan himself
0: yeah shout out to him for yeah. taking the time to to sit in a cincinnati bar and chat about a movie from 40 years ago
1: yeah. so, so yeah, he played grandpa but i guess when the movie was filmed he was in his early 20s so yeah. he he's older now but not as old as you would expect yeah he's not like yeah. 120 or 140 yeah. or whatever
0: so yeah but uh thanks john for coming out um to our screening of that all right so i'm trying to decide like how much i want to get into toby hooper until we like unless we dive into the movie i have like some really good quotes about go for it this is our tribute episode do it sets it up so um just kind of give you some uh a hint of the tone and the thinking behind the film uh while Toby was making it, uh, I have a couple of choice quotes that I pulled, and uh, the first one is, quote, I don't believe in using too much graphic violence, although I've done it. It's better to be suggestive and to allow the viewer to fill in the blanks in their minds. And I think we'll kind of address that point as we chat on the specifics of the movie.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: But it kind of addresses the perception versus the reality of the film. He also says, quote, you've got to send a physical sensation through and not let them off the hook. I... Oh, off
1: the hook! <laughs> nice choice of words there, Toby. Yeah.
0: Um. He says, "I like to make it faster and faster and faster, and pumping a bang in until I get into you."
1: I. That's what she said. <laughs> ah, sorry.
0: Yeah, that sounded a little sexual.
1: I guess that's what he said.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. This one is actually flips back to uh, the first story that you talked about, Chelsea. Um, He says, quote, My relatives that lived in a town close to Edgain told me those terrible stories, these tales of human skin, lampshades, and furniture. I grew up with that, like a horror story you tell around a campfire. And then he also says that, this is kind of about the look and feel of the, the, the set. He says, quote, I was thinking to create a house of ultimate horror, a house that said and smelled and tasted of death. I had to dress and redress that house many times to get the look I wanted. Like, someone could just roll their sleeves up and dip their hands into death itself. Dang. Yeah.
1: Dang.
0: And I think that, that describes what happened. What the- Absolutely, <laughs> what yeah. Out. All right, so we'll talk about a little bit of trivia, because I cannot resist giving you guys fun facts about these movies we chat about. For me, they give... You know, some insight and, and some context to the films um, that we discuss. And also sometimes I like to surprise Chelsea with some odd <laughs> trivia. Excellent. But, you know, it wasn't like the chainsaw was used In a real murder, there was was none of that.
1: Oh, that's my favorite kind of trivia. (laughs) Murder trivia.
0: Yeah, yeah. So Gunnar Hansen, who plays Otherface, didn't get along with Paul, who played Franklin at all during the filming of the movie. But it was because he didn't realize that Paul was a method actor and he was in character of course, in front of the camera, but when the cameras were not rolling as well. So keeping that distance. And, you know, I've heard stories about actors having those sorts of like, you know, they want to be buddies or whatever, offset. Yeah. And when you're playing a character like Leatherface, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if people were scared of me in real life. Yeah, <laughs>
1: That seems kind of crazy to me after hearing John Dugan talk about the film that any of the actors would really be taking it that seriously but i mean franklin is great in the movie i really like his character i do imagine that it would get real annoying if he was that character all the time
0: yeah yeah he was probably doing the 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 tongue thing a lot
1: (laughs) that was my favorite yeah
0: yeah yep So uh, there's actually, I read Gunnar Hansen's biography, which is called Chainsaw Confidential, how we made the world's most notorious horror movie. And it's a really, really great detailing of the making of this film that I suggest checking it out if you're into the deep, deep behind the scenes uh, stories of any kind of film, really, but especially horror movies and Gunnar Hansen's experience of making this film, because it has some amazing stories and, you know a lot of it is focused on not only the budget that they were struggling with but the heat in texas at the time the fact that any of the meat that's in any of the scenes is is real and it's rotting and it's stinky and smelly and it's disgusting so
1: never mind i take back that thing i said about wanting to be a set designer
0: <laughs> well now that you could just cast it all I mean, <laughs> i'm sure it would be all right so some things that led to the realism of the film was that uh, towards the end when Leatherface is cutting Sally's finger to get it to bleed, um, they couldn't get the fake blood to pump right and so she just like shifted her hand a little bit and gunner inadvertently, but for her intentions cut her finger for real. So that blood was real, the cut was real. So wait, John Dugan
1: actually drank her blood from that cut yeah. Ew. Um,
0: So that's kind of gross That's so gross Yeah.
1: But actually I did today look up Whether drinking blood Is considered cannibalism Which uh, If I die Erase my search history What's the really? else <laughs> People are going to think I'm really weird Which yeah. I am no. Um, It's not so. Oh really? Okay yeah. Hmm. yeah If you drink your own blood It's like auto-vampirism But mm. generally Drinking blood Drinking another person's blood Is not cannibalism What if you're so just it's, really it's only cannibalism If you're chewing I think.
0: Oh. <laughs> hmm. All right. Well, blood can be replenished if it's like... I yeah, don't know. but so can like... Ooh, yeah. Yeah, like, I don't
1: know. Oh, oh. Anyway, don't think about it too much, but know <laughs> yeah. that I did Google that. And I was not the only one because I was typing. I was like... I was just curious. I was like, is drinking blood, and the first thing that popped up, cannibalism?
0: Uh, anyway. <laughs> Towards the end of the movie. All right. Well, I'm going to save that till we talk about the film discussion. Whatever. I'm going to mix this up. We'll get some trivia later, too. Okay. So... Also, we're going to jump into the movie, but instead of us saying the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, its early title was called Head Cheese.
1: That is a terrible name for a movie. It's also a terrible name for a food, and it's a terrible food, which I've tried eating, and it's disgusting. I'm very glad I'm a vegetarian now. That's actually what made me vegetarian. Just kidding. That was David. David made me vegetarian. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Head Cheese, no. Yuck. No.
0: Well, I, yeah, I you know, that could be one of those things where if it was called that, it it wouldn't have done any had any impact. Like the movie titles can have a big impact over like, right? Like I y- cannot
1: can you imagine like the revolutionary horror film by horror master Toby Hooper, Head Cheese. No. No, it's got to be the Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
0: Yeah, otherwise it'd be like, uh, uh, hey bubba, d- do you want to go see the latest uh, uh, movie? It's called uh,
1: uh, the yeah. Aww. Yeah. Oh. This is my first time watching the Texas Chainsaw Massacre after watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 and like I missed him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you can pretend the hitchhiker is like the proto prototype. It kind uh, of chop is. Top. The yeah. prototype
1: chop top. I mean it's his but, brother, so yeah, it's not the same.
0: No. There's also, well, yeah. Oh, Trying to not talk about Texas Chainsaw dude is
1: difficult. I know. (laughs) But do you want to get into the movie discussion?
0: Yeah, I would love to dive into the discussion. I'm sure you guys are chomping at the bit. Oh. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Let's talk about this movie. So let's kick it off. Chelsea, what did you think of Texas Chainsaw Massacre?
1: My gosh, it's like, I feel like we've talked about this and a couple episodes in the lead up and now it's like finally here I'm like what do I say <laughs> I'm a bit flustered yeah. um so we watched this movie the first time it was the 4K restoration and it was in a movie theater so it was on the big screen through St. Louis's late night grindhouse and as i've mentioned previously it's not that i didn't like it but it just it it's not really my type of movie i did i didn't enjoy it while still kind of amazed by it, <laughs> if that makes sense. So I was kind of looking forward to watching it last night because we watched it you know, at a bar. So we got some fancy cocktails and, you know, there were like people, you know, people watching it, but also kind of people talking. So it, it felt less like isolated the way watching it in like a dark theater where everyone's silent. It can really like, you can kind of be engulfed in it, <laughs> which can be a good thing, but you know, it can be a kind of a bad thing if what you're being engulfed in is really freaky and disturbing um and you know it's it really did not lessen the impact of the film that much which is maybe a testament to the film (laughs) you know some of those scenes were really just as disturbing as they were on a giant screen in a darkened theater and it's just i think that kind of i don't want to compare it too much to other movies but when you think of the movies that sort of go along with it you know the, the slasher movies That most of them came later, but you still you think of iconic horror movie slashers. Now Leatherface is there, but so is like Freddy and Jason and Michael Myers. (laughs) And I think those movies, to me, they have a bit of like a sense of humor to them. You know, there's like that feeling of like a nudge, nudge, wink, wink of like music building up or like you seeing something in the background that one of the characters is not aware of. And you could like anticipate the deaths coming. And I think you know, that build up is you know it's good it's I like having that because you kind of feel like oh like you're in on it this is something that you're watching that you're in on and in Texas Chainsaw Massacre it's just such a visceral movie (laughs) and when these characters die there's not a build-up you don't get the like nudge nudge wink wink you don't feel like you're in on it you feel like you are observing this like horrifying thing and it it feels very realistic in a way that the other slasher movies don't so you know in real life you're not gonna have like a buildup of music and like hearing something being like what's that no just a guy in a person mask is gonna step out an open doorway whack you with a hammer pull you in and slam the door shut it's like it's just it's really different in a way that it's still, I feel like unlike what you see in theaters nowadays. I yeah. think it's it's kind of unlike any other movie that I've seen really disturbing, which is saying something because I, you know, I I read real life things that are disturbing all the time. but you know as I've said, like when I'm watching movies for entertainment, that's not what I'm looking for in a movie. So it's amazing, but it's still it's like hard for me to say that I like it because that's not the emotion that I felt when I was watching it, but I can definitely appreciate it. And it's funny. I was just talking to my dad on Skype before we were recording this and he saw it. He saw it in a double feature with Torso when he was in high school and he had kind of the same sort of feelings that I had where it's, you know, he likes his movies have more of like a like be more plot driven you have more of like a story and a mystery which i guess torso has but this really didn't and the scene that he said really stood out to him where he was like "Eh, no thank you was the scene where he puts the girl on the meat hook and as toby hooper was saying it's it's not graphic you don't see like the hook come out the other side with blood squirting everywhere you know your mind fills that in yeah (laughs) obviously but it's still like that kind of feeling you get in your gut when you watch that scene and John Dugan was even saying that when he saw it like opening night in Chicago the the actor that played grandpa when he saw it at that scene like 20 to 25 people just walked out of the theater (laughs) so it is so different if you've not seen this movie like you you need to you like owe it to yourself just to see it that's not to say that you will enjoy it or that I enjoyed it, but it feels really important and monumental and it's really beautiful. (laughs) But yeah, so my, yeah, my feelings on it are conflicted, but I mean, it's, it's still an amazing movie at the end. (laughs) So David, what did you think of the movie?
0: Yeah, I, uh, I love, I love the movie. I didn't, you know, I don't have any nostalgia for the film, oddly enough, because it was a film that I was really scared of growing up. And it was too real. Like a lot of things that you said ring true to me. I feel like those, those separations from the horror movies that I love where sound design and the score is so important and the, this otherworldly lighting and the camera angles and the fact that I can, I can tell myself it's only a movie has always been the sorts of films that I like. And this film has none of that. Right. Yeah. You're right. It's like the absence of score. It has sound effects, but it's so real and it's so visceral. And you're right. There are no moments for you to be like, ha, 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 what a clever kill. Who is that leather-faced gentleman going to kill next? It it feels like anyone and everyone is just meat to this family. And, you know, any of them can be killed at any time. And to me as a kid, that really scared me. So uh, this was, I believe we were talking about it, the th- only the third time I've seen the movie. The second one was when we saw the, the great presentation at Late Night Groundhouse for the 40th anniversary. And, you know, that prompted me to buy the Blu-ray, but I still haven't watched it. It's like one of those <laughs> movies that...
1: I don't know why I didn't watch it the year that we were living apart. You know how I feel about that movie.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's just, it is very, very real. And it, it is a work of art. It's, it feels like a documentary though, at times. And the movie feels really organic. And that's what I like about it. It it, it feels, you're right. You said, the, I think you said that it feels important. And it does. And I would encourage um, everyone out there, if you, know, you can manage to watch it, it's you know, a highly, highly recommended Movie.
1: Yeah. And it is, you know, for people that are maybe more into true crime and not so much into horror movies, it's definitely not your typical horror movie. I think that if you don't find like the schlocky horror appealing or the supernatural horror appealing, which those are my two favorite types of horror. So, first of all, what's wrong with you? But second of all, um, you might actually really like this movie because it feels very real and there are no supernatural aspects to it, you know, so if you just want to see crazy people killing people and the house decorated with body parts, you might like it more than you think.
0: Yeah. And this movie doesn't Uh, it doesn't linger on the imagery either. It doesn't leer, which oh, I mean, there's like maybe there's a couple of shots that it does. Yeah, but uh, i can
1: i can think of some shots right yeah i know okay all right, all
0: right. Yeah. well that's inaccurate i know what i said was inaccurate so take that back <laughs> um but you know yeah if you shy away from horror movies i mean just think when toby hooper submitted it to the ratings board he intended it to get a pg rating no yeah
1: no way they
0: filmed it he filmed it to be rated pg and it was given an x rating i feel
1: like the topic matter itself excludes it from a pg rating pretty much no matter what you show on screen <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean that.
1: W- what was he thinking?
0: I guess he was like, "Hey, man, we're there's no go. blood <laughs> <laughs> except
1: when there is.
0: Except when there is. Yeah,
1: that is odd. So, um, what did they have to cut to get it down to an R rating?
0: Um, I don't, I don't know what the cuts were, but the just the stuff that I was reading about was describing the the process of getting the rating. And once they were at R, I guess whatever notes they were like, they were probably like, "Oh." what were we
1: thinking <laughs> a pg rating yeah a pg rating
0: well poltergeist is rated pg and that's like an r-rated movie but it got a pg because of steven spielberg
1: oh uh, i feel like poltergeist should probably be pg 13
0: well i didn't have that at the time yeah so, and yeah it was, spielberg. it was like we can't give a spielberg movie an r rating there's like a scene where a guy must peels nice his spielberg face off
1: i don't remember that <laughs>
0: Pool full of dead bodies. Better remember. Yeah. Oh uh, okay. Well enough about me talking about my thoughts. no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um so yeah, check it out. Check out this PG it's PG, watch it with your kids.
1: Oh god, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well I guess let's let's chat about how the movie starts off. It's uh introduced by someone you guys may recognize his name i don't know these days like this dude's like a million years old at this point but uh if you know john larquette's name he's I the don't.
1: who's that <laughs>
0: <laughs> let me think i'm trying to think night he's a uh, that old sitcom night court from the 80s i don't
1: know that either yeah
0: see it's like i don't even the reference is like i don't know he's uh what was he in? He he's in some show he's if you guys haven't heard of him looking up look him up You'll probably see him yeah, in this Is
1: this website? Uh, it's i <laughs> hey
0: that's my website I'm David <laughs> <Kira>. oh wait <laughs> what? so the narrator john larquette was paid uh in a in a joint i gave him a joint and yeah. he recorded the narration of the movie so that's how <laughs>
1: i feel like everyone was just smoking pot the whole time this movie was made yeah and yet this movie has no chill <laughs> <laughs> i know no no it no doesn't. chill at all no
0: no so uh, you know it starts off with a narration that you know describes the uh, based august, on uh, true events based on true yeah. events it's august 18 1973 and you know it, it makes it which it is based
1: on true events but not that specific true event yeah, <laughs> because not, that did not happen there was not a texas chainsaw massacre
0: no um, nor a series of them i mean there's a series of movies but yes that yeah <laughs> and so in uh i guess the one familiar a- element is group of friends road tripping right it's yeah like, like not like tripping like tripping <laughs> yeah they are tripping they're in a in a van uh having kind of a sort of a good time i don't know it seems like they're already like suffering from the texas heat and yeah there's already some tension because like you know, they're going to check out this supposed vandalized grave of the grandfather. Yeah. And uh, I mean, really quickly, it escalates because the they pick up a hitchhiker.
1: Yes. Don't do that. Don't pick up a hitchhiker. As our friend Brianna Morgan Books says on Instagram, also don't hitchhike. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Which I figured that should be... Uh, y'all should know that by now, but just to make sure uh don't hitchhike don't pick up hitchhikers don't let them play with your knives don't let them take your picture don't let them light fires in your van (laughs) yeah
0: don't let them uh pull out their razor blade and like threaten you or be really weird
1: yep um but yeah so it it kind of starts with that and then just escalates from there
0: yeah i think he briefly talks about you know it it actually sets up a little bit of motivation in that he's talking about them closing down the slaughterhouses and they're automating the process and so it's a little bit of that the family uh i guess feeling like they're being pushed out of society Um, yes and so they kick him out they throw him out of the van yeah (laughs) (laughs) but they they do the thing that happens in spooky movies where they you know, they go to I guess the family's house that's been abandoned.
1: Is that before after they stop at the gas station? They stop at station? the gas
0: station, yeah. And they see that he's like put a symbol or something on. He's yeah. marked their van with his blood. They
1: also meet well, you don't know he's Paw Sawyer at the time. That was like kinda of my favorite twist, I think. There there aren't many twists in the movie. It's fairly straightforward, but I do remember that reveal watching it the first time being like, What
0: yeah, um, yeah.
1: Which I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. But, <laughs> but yeah, they stop at the gas station, but there is no gas. Nope. So they go exploring. They do. Yes, they find their grandfather's old house and it's really run down. But there are kind of some weird kind of piles of bone in there and some bone kind of tied up almost like a wind chime. Um, so a little bit of foreshadowing there before the, the first pair decide to run off on their own. Yeah,
0: they're like, we're just going to go off and check things out around Frolic.
1: here. Frolic, yeah. <laughs> Probably go do it. Which they didn't even have time to do it. That's how you know it's not an 80s horror movie. If it was an 80s horror movie, they would do it and they get killed in the process.
0: Yep. no, it's true. And so it's like going into the, the empty farmhouse, seemingly empty farmhouse, and... You know, this is when one of the more iconic scenes in, I guess, well, film history in general, as for a horror movie especially, it's this steel door that suddenly snaps open.
1: No, it was open to begin oh, with. Oh, oh that's then, right. Yeah. Because the wall is like red with animal skulls on it. Yeah. I really like that image. And then, yeah, someone pops out. Just like, it's just so sudden with like no buildup. And it's like. Leatherface. Leatherface
0: is there. He has a hammer. He whacks him. Feet twitches. Drags mm-hmm. him back. Steel door slam shut.
1: I can't even talk about this movie without feeling really uncomfortable.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll do broad strokes. <laughs> 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 but that scene in particular is yeah. Whoa.
1: Well, it's it's true. Like the lack of music. I think yeah, it's just so quiet. And then this happens, and like that slam of the door punctuating it. It's just man yeah it's it's really amazing it doesn't
0: have the chainsaw at that point nope it's just a oh, quiet big old mallet. sledgehammer yep. yeah yeah really do some sneaking when you got that mallet
1: yeah just ask the uh benders
0: oh gosh yeah no kidding but then pam gets it next she basically is like running out the door
1: well but the scene before that is kind of cool because it's the first time you get a good look at the inside of the house
0: oh right there's because she kind of Goes deeper into the house. Yes, and you see the skulls, and you see they're like a mixture of animal bones, yeah. and then and that's human. what I was gonna
1: say. Like the lingering shots, they're mostly in that scene. I feel like that's when you get kind of a good view of the like various skeleton bits that are, you know, creating like the decorations. They're on the chairs. They're on like just sofas. or kind of everywhere. And later on, when uh, Sally's in the house. You almost have to like look at it yourself. I know this time I hadn't even noticed the first time, but this time when we were watching it, David pointed out that like on the lamp hanging over the table is like a human skinned face. Which is actually pretty true to, to the Ed Gein story, but like I didn't even notice that the first time because there are no shots emphasizing it there. But like in this scene, you're almost following what she's looking at. So like as her eyes are going from like the chicken in the tiny cage, then it's like oh pile of human skulls. Yeah. <laughs> um. It's yeah. But then yeah, then she tries to run out the door, and that's when Leatherface comes.
0: House of Hoarders, man.
1: House of Hoarders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like a cross between horror and hoarders. House of Hoarder.
0: Ho- horror hoarders Yeah,
1: horror hoarders. I don't know.
0: I don't know. I just made that up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Genius.
0: Yeah. But she yeah. runs. She runs yes, for it. And almost. it's like, oh, she's out of here. And then, like, all of a sudden, like, Leatherface just grabs around the right waist.
1: Drags and, her back in. Yep. Yep. Yeah
0: yeah yeah and, and this is when the meat the hook meat hook happens. yeah so you go straight downstairs and onto the meat hook yep. and then you get to witness like cutting up uh jerry or kirk i can't remember which one the fodder um. yeah
1: yeah one of them one of them boy fodders uh yeah she's like alive on the hook kind of like it, it feels like like even though you don't see the hook there what she's doing feels very real because, like, she's kind of struggling to, like, grab the hook with her hands to, I feel like, take the weight off because you would expect, you know, when the hook is in. Anyway. Anyway. So yeah, I know, I know. Hook. Well,
0: you see, I mean, Leatherface has his chainsaw for the first time then when yes. he's doing a little tenderizing and a little. It, most people use an electric carving knife when they carve the turkey. Leatherface uses a chainsaw.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: I mean,. I guess that's I mean, not humans an
1: are a little bigger than turkeys.
0: Right? Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Be a big turkey. <laughs> yeah, a human-sized turkey versus yeah. a... No, anyway.
1: <laughs> like, what would the layers be in a human turducken? No, I don't want to think about that either. What are you even talking about? <laughs> you know what a turducken is.
0: No, I know. Yeah. I know. I know what you're talking... I know. I know. Just the, the, would I'm, the turkey I'm... just be inside the person? <laughs> yes. And the ducken, too. Yeah. Wait, the duckin. <laughs> the duck. <laughs> the duck would be in them. The duck is in him.
1: All right. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're going to pull Franklin on me? Yeah. All right. Yeah.
0: And Roll down the hill in um, the wheelchair.
1: Yeah. So they're gone now. The remaining three, so Sally Franklin and other male fodder character, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. are still back at the other house and eventually the other male fodder character, um, Goes out to look for the two that disappeared. And he comes across the house, knocks on the door, is about to leave until he sees the blanket that the couple took with them hanging over the railing. And then he goes inside the house and you're gonna make me say the whole thing <laughs>
0: wait i don't know i i always forget how he died for some so reason he goes like down for me he goes down to the
1: room where the hook was right he okay. hears oh, banging gosh, it's yeah. the freezer yeah yep. so that's like yeah, yeah, yeah. this movie pam, pam pops out of the freezer. yeah i feel like i don't know whether this movie is all jump scares or n- no jump scares because it's like Things happen very suddenly, but it doesn't feel manipulative the way that jump scares are. I oh, feel like yeah. the only manipulative scare is that one in the freezer where like he opens up the door and she's like laying there like she's dead and frozen and then suddenly she like jumps up. Yeah. Um but yeah, then Leatherface comes behind him, whack on the head, dead, puts the other girl back in the freezer, closes it, dead. So now we're left with like the two characters that I think you kind of care about a little bit more. Yeah, they do Sally a good job. Of, I feel like,
0: yeah, I feel like Sally and Franklin are two characters that you care about, and I mean, it's their family, their brother and sister. You know, they have a, a different relationship than what, or at least I got with their friends. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know, it's dark out, and there's like the scene where Sally clearly wants to split up, wants them to split up so that she can check out what's going on. Yeah, and it's like they're fighting over the flashlight, and. Yeah. I mean, I was, I'm all, every time that scene happens, I'm like, no, this is a terrible idea. This is a terrible idea. Why are they doing that? And then all of a sudden it's like Leatherface comes out with his chainsaw.
1: Well, it's, eventually they do go together. So they're fighting by the car. And then
0: they start heading back. They're kind of, or heading towards the house. Yeah.
1: And they're passing through like some kind of field, which, and I know like Franklin didn't want to be left alone, but he should have just given her the flashlight i know (laughs) seriously yeah um yeah because he is he is wheelchair bound you know or they both should have just waited in the van um but it's a horror movie so so they go to check it out yeah they go check it out and then poor franklin yep
0: i mean he's the first chainsaw victim
1: he's the first yeah he's the first chainsaw victim just out of nowhere didn't even stand a chance not a fraction of a chance no um not the tiny tiniest wisp of a chance no leatherface just like no, no.
0: puts this chance on like yeah, right right and right, right, right him,
1: car. yeah so so yeah. and then <sighs> then you're like nobody's like safe okay yeah pretty early on in this movie it's narrowed down to um just sally, just sally yeah. but sally still has a long road ahead of her
0: <laughs> yeah no she does she like uh, runs and runs and runs. She gets in the house. She kind of sees everything that Pam saw. Yeah. Except it's, like, creepier because it's nighttime. Yeah. And then she can't find any of her friends. And she knows, she's the only one that is aware of the horrors that lurk behind the closed doors of the house.
1: Yeah. I think everyone else, they kind of died the moment they see Leatherface. Right. She is the only one that escapes that first moment. <laughs> but, but yeah, she's, so they have a long chase scene. She gets up to the second floor, sees Grandpa... I don't know if she realizes that he's, like, not dead, but Grandma's definitely dead. Yeah. R.I.P. Grandma. Yeah, um, R.I.P. Uh, goes to leave, sees uh, Leatherface cut through the door with his chainsaw, runs back upstairs through the window, which I always love. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's like, no, it is. It's a great It's, scene. like,
1: a kind of subtle form of badassery. It's just, like... <laughs> just like yeah. through through the window it's it's crazy to to watch and she does it twice in this movie <laughs> um that poor actress but but yeah runs escapes makes it all the way to the gas station
0: but it turns out that uh, yeah old and men... this
1: is the the twist
0: yeah that paul sawyer is like uh paul paul, paul. i just call him paul sawyer the matriarch
1: the, the kindly attendant the that patriarch. you meet earlier on yeah What did is I not say, so what kindly. i say
0: matriarch? i mean the patriarch sorry uh <laughs> oh. well technically that's his grandpa yeah. but yeah it's like the, the kindly older older man running the gas station but no the uh barbecue that he's selling is well it's human human barbecue
1: Meats meat and a man's got to eat <laughs> all right wrong yeah. cannibal movie that's okay that's all right.
0: But she's like, "Oh good. Yeah. This is great. I'm saved." Uh, oh, yeah. wait. End oh wait. In credits. Oh. No, he ties her up and then takes her back house, to the house.
1: Yep. Yep. So this is the uh like infamous dinner scene, which I really did not like the first time I watched it just because of like the screaming and like the close-ups of her face and her eyes when she's screaming and just like, oh, I'm just gonna curl up into a little ball. And Yeah. yeah. It's it's like yeah. makes you feel really vulnerable. Yeah. Um but yeah, so they they try to get so the first like they give so that scene that you're talking about where like they actually cut her finger. So they bring grandpa down and he like sucks on her finger a little bit with just ugh. Anyway, <laughs> but then they they decide to like give grandpa the hammer and try to get him to kill her, but he's like so kind of decrepit he just keeps like dropping the hammer and he can't really do it and in that moment she makes her second escape <laughs> she
0: makes her escape but the the lead up to it me i feel like how it m- might have felt to be her because it, it goes on forever just yes the hand going up he's not getting the force required to hit he, i mean they do end up knocking her pretty good she has yeah. like a bloody spot yeah but yeah she gets she's able to get out of it and then all of a sudden i mean very quickly i mean it's dawn it's just just past dawn yeah and she's running and like we talk about this you know with a lot of horror movies how once the sun comes up somehow it feels like maybe everything's okay
1: (laughs) but not not so much in this
0: no not so much in this i mean because leatherface is fast behind her
1: yeah he has the chainsaw the hitchhiker which is leatherface's brother but he doesn't get a name but he's also chasing her. They're, like, close behind her. Really close behind yeah. her.
0: And she gets to the road, but there happens to be a, a, a truck driver yep. is going past. It's, like, really great timing, but...
1: R.I.P. Oh, Hitchhiker. <laughs> so. oh,
0: yeah, he just gets smashed Woo. under the wheels of this yep. semi-truck.
1: Yeah. Oh. Uh, it's just crazy to think, like, all of that's happening, and they're not really that far from a like, road that... Gets a lot of travel because right after that semi-truck is a pickup truck.
0: Yeah. Oh, but the moment with the truck driver where he gets out and he sees
1: Leatherface. Oh, yeah. He gets out to, like, see what happens. sees Leatherface with the chainsaw. He's like, nope. (laughs) Right back in the truck. But for whatever reason, Leatherface comes up and is, like, waving the chainsaw at the door and the two of them go out the other side rather than just wish if I was them, I would have just kept driving.
0: It, it kind of makes but, sense. Cause I guess it would take a lot for the truck to get going again. Yeah. Like, complete stop. And it's like, maybe he was just like, yeah. I know how slow this thing goes. Maybe we're faster on our feet. Yeah. But you know, they kind of use that truck to their advantage but yeah. i think if that pickup truck hadn't come along i don't know what would have happened but she jumps in yeah. you don't really see what happened to the truck driver i just kind of assumed yeah. well the,
1: before that though the truck driver i guess had like picked up a wrench and like as they're running he turns around and th- throws it at Leatherface, and it's an amazing throw. It hits him in the head. Leatherface goes down and, like, accidentally cuts into his leg with the chainsaw, which is, like, gross.
0: Yeah, and uh, uh, Gunnar Hansen had, uh, there was, like, a steel plate on his thigh, like, Mm -hmm. wrapped around it. And then they had a big piece of meat in a blood bag. And so the chainsaw hits it. But uh, I guess the the chain from the chainsaw made the metal plate really really hot, oh. and so he like the scream of Leatherface is gonna Hanson scream and shock at it like cutting cutting into the meat, and then the heat from the chainsaw itself so it
1: probably got like a pretty nasty burn. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, yeah. It's it, it felt pretty realistic. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I guess it was.
0: You see, kind of the the like, meat. Yeah.
1: Stuff. Oh. <laughs> so, oh um but yeah so in in that moment the pickup truck comes um sally's able to get in the pickup truck and go to safety and she's you know covered in blood and like kind of screaming but also maybe kind of like laughing almost from the relief of it
0: yeah you get that like
1: whew. Yeah. you're right the relief of i getting really want to know what happened to that semi-truck driver yeah. i have a feeling he's not gonna make it on foot
0: I don't know. Maybe he got just back pretend. in the truck. He could have gotten back into the truck. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but then let's it's pretend like, he
1: did. Yeah, I'm go semi truck driver. back
0: in and was able to yeah. to get away. But then there's this. It's actually a, a beautiful moment of Leatherface is just dancing in the sunlight with the chainsaw. Yes. Yeah, and, and it just it ends on that. And that was um, that was Gunnar Hansen improvised that uh that's crazy yeah i think like it was kind of the original plan was he was going to be a pouty and kind of stomp his little feet but um i guess the shoot was grueling he had worked they had all worked so hard that he says in the in the book that he's just kind of taking like unwinding and letting off steam from how hard this movie was to make and the dance was just kind of a natural thing that that he did
1: i think that that's so perfect i feel like Kind of being pouty and stamping his feet, like when you think about the character of Leatherface, you know, he's like, he is kind of like childlike. He's clearly not mentally there. Yeah, you know, I think is almost being taken advantage of by his family, kind of convincing him and training him to kill these people because he doesn't have the mental capacity to realize that that's wrong. Yeah, and I think that in a way he's kind of similar to Ed Gein. You know, one of the few like infamous murderers that was actually found to be insane you know so i do think leatherface is kind of similar in that respect and having that like weird dance at the end it really emphasizes that fact in a way that you don't really get much especially in this movie because you don't see a lot of him other than him like popping out and killing people but, you know, in later movies, I think especially in two, you could really tell that he's just really not not there. He's like not able to connect his actions with reality or anything bigger.
0: Yeah. So. And I think that I, I I think that that portrayal works from a more sympathetic perspective than I think kind of the he's more of like a, a monster in like the third and the subsequent ones. But, you know, he gets his he gets that moment at the end. Yes. And I think when when uh when they show like you know the greatest movies ever like that's the scene they show
1: yep oh yeah the way the like sun is rising behind him and you get just a little bit of that lens flare
0: Yep. yeah
1: yeah it's it's pretty just good <laughs> it's yep. very good yeah a plus yeah. yeah
0: so um yeah any other th- comments that you want to chat about about this
1: movie no all right. Well, we've f- tapped out. <laughs> yeah. All
0: right. Well, I'm gonna just blabber on for just a minute. I just wanted to mention some highlights of Toby Hooper's uh, filmography. Whether you're familiar with his work or not, um, some of the movies that I've, I really enjoy, uh, he has directed. It's not everything he's done, but besides this film, Part Two, the sequel to this, has come up a lot in our conversation that Chelsea and I have had so far. It's nothing like this film. It's everything you would expect from a mid 80s horror movie it's pretty outrageous but it's also pretty amazing he did poltergeist which is his team up with steven spielberg salem's lot the adaptation of the stephen king novel which is a tv movie that's a lot of fun we mentioned eat eaten alive which you know future future
1: meat definitely for sure (laughs) yeah
0: um the fun house which is actually another really enjoyable one that i like a lot
1: are there clowns in it
0: there no it no there's not it's like a it's a carnival there aren't clowns like a amusement park like uh with the like kind of house of horrors
1: interesting yeah i will watch that (laughs)
0: life force which is we watched that already (laughs) yeah um invader from mars which is a, a brilliant remake it often gets left off of those like remakes that are really good but it's incredible i love invaders from mars
1: you said that, and I immediately thought of Mars Attacks. I was uh-huh. like, Toby Hooper did that movie? Really? Oh,
0: uh, no. yeah. No. Mars Attacks is fun. this temporary. <laughs> <laughs> he did uh, one of the best episodes of Freddy's Nightmares, which is No More Mr. Nice Guy, which shows Freddy Krueger, how he became to be, how he murdered children, how he was put on trial, how he was burned by the townspeople, and then how he comes back. So that's a really great episode. He also worked with John Carpenter on Body Bags, and he directed uh, Robert England again in The Mangler, which is another Stephen King adaptation. That one's expanded greatly from the original short story but you know there's that and then as i mentioned in the opening of toby hooper being a true master of horror he did two episodes of the masters of horror showtime series uh one was the damned thing and the other one was dance of the dead and those are two really great episodes masters of horror if you haven't seen those i highly suggest that you check them out so that's our chat of families who kill and also eat their victims. That's the story of Ed Gein. That's the story of the making of and the story of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre film. So before we end, I just wanted to ask you, Chelsea, if you have anything for our now playing.
1: Yes, I do. I have a podcast recommendation. Um, so recently on Instagram, uh, we connected with the esoteric Oddities podcast. Um, They're pretty new. I think they only have um, four episodes as of this recording. But I uh, listened to their most recent one. That's about like freak shows, and it was it was great. I I really enjoyed it. It was funny and well researched. Really interesting stories that I'd never heard before. I guess they do kind of a mix of like more paranormal but like a little bit of true crime and it kind of reminded me of the todd browning film freaks so it's like that era of freak shows they were talking about Um, oh wow and yeah i'm just i'm really digging it so we'll be pimping them out on social media this week too so definitely give them a listen if you're looking for uh some more podcasts check out what's your now playing
0: well, my now, now playing is pretty much just making art right now. Cats and Halloween stuff and spooky stuff. Yeah, um, you got
1: some big shows coming up. Yeah, we're going to be at... going to crack that whip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: we're going to be at Horror Hound Indianapolis uh, very shortly. So, you know, if you're listening to this, it very well may have already happened. But gearing up to be there for that. And that's going to be a fun one. There's a... Uh, multiple reunions. There's uh Friday the thirteenth part two reunion. There's a um, Lost Boys reunion. Corey Feldman's gonna be there. There's also gonna be a Goonies reunion and uh, all sorts of stuff. top this um uh Mask Fest is also happening at the same time. So hopefully by by the time we get back I will have met one of my heroes, Tom Savini.
1: Yay. So that'd be cool. I mean yeah. I've
0: heard he's can be grumpy so I'm anticipating it. To be a, a grumpy experience, but I will be happy nonetheless.
1: Excellent. Yeah, I'm excited for you. Yeah.
0: So, uh, yeah, if you guys check out my at Lab Creature Instagram, I've been posting some of the latest and greatest spooky stuff that I'm drawing. Um, just, this works in progress right now. So that's that's a uh, now playing <laughs> yeah. for me. Uh, all right. So, do you have a coming soon, my dear?
1: I do. My coming soon is Ingrid Goes West, the uh, new movie starring David's girlfriend. Yeah, David's girlfriend? no Yeah, he wishes. No, 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 no girlfriend and a wife. You're my girlfriend and my wife. Yeah. um My my parents saw it and they said it was really good and I want to see it. So that's it. I I got nothing exciting to say about it. It's not based on a true crime, it's not a horror movie. It's about social media. So that was cool. Sounds fun. All right. What's your coming soon? It. Of
0: course. Yeah, of course. I know. I mean, you know, um, we all float down here.
1: <laughs> yes, we. By the next time we record, we should we should have seen it. You'll float seen. too. I was gonna be like, I want to see it, and it's like it it being it. See it. it? <laughs> I know. It, yeah, it, that's it, what I know. It. It's I know. weird. Yeah, it <laughs> is. It, it it's weird. I it visualize it capitalized.
0: Weird. I t de- capitalized
1: when yeah. I say it. it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm very excited for that too. So you'll float too. Oh, goodness. I also feel like we should say that since our last, my last coming soon, uh, we did see Death Note. Oh, we did? Yeah. Yeah, we watched Death Note. I did not dislike it. I would go so far as to say that I liked it. I think I will like it a lot better a second time seeing it. I was a very big fan of the original manga as it came out, and it's different. And I think if you can get past that and appreciate it for what it is. It's very enjoyable. It has a great ending. I think the actors are are great. I think it captures the essence of the story, or at least one of the essences of the story. <laughs> you know, it, they had to take a lot out to turn it into a movie. You know, they lost, you know, probably one of my favorite parts of the plot, but I think it's great as an American adaptation. And I think that people should stop sending adam wingard death threats on twitter so if you're one of those people just cut it out just don't watch it it's not that hard to not watch it no one's forcing you to watch it and sending death threats on twitter is just not cool not cool yeah it's like very cliche it's true just cut that out yeah but anyway yeah it's free it's on netflix it's free if you have netflix i mean so uh drink some beer eat some popcorn Check out Death Note, especially if you have not read the manga or watched the anime. I think you'll like it even more.
0: Yeah, I loved it. It was fun. I I mean, yeah. I guess my, my thing is that I I love Adam Wingard. So every time he has a new yeah. movie announced, I'm really excited. And, you know, the guest is just incredible. And You're Next, which we've talked about a couple of times um, on the show, yeah. is just an excellent uh, home invasion movie. It so is. death note yeah it's yeah. cool they got uh i feel like
1: people need to realize you know you're yes you're a big fan of death note so is adam wingard that's why he wanted to make this <laughs> like right you know just
0: there's a reason why he's he spent like three or four years of his yeah. life making this film it was and not to make people mad
1: yep anyway that's my two cents yeah, yeah. we're gonna it's make a my youtube nickel. video and it's gonna
0: leave adam wingard alone <laughs> leave adam wingard alone <laughs> yeah all right, wow. cool. So, yeah, that's good, a good update on the latest and great stuff. So Yes. Awesome.
1: All right. Uh, All right. Please find us on social media. Don't send us death threats on Twitter, but we are on Twitter. We're at True Crime Based. We're on Instagram at Based on a True Crime. We're on Facebook, Based on a True Crime Podcast. We have a website, Based on a True Crime.com, and we have a Gmail account, which is Based on a True Crime at Gmail. Dot com. I feel like we need to pre-record this ending thing and just play it. Nah, it's okay. No? I like mixing it up. It's all good. <laughs> all right. We get longer,
0: uh, longer every time, but
1: whatever. Rate, review, and subscribe. That's yes, the big one. I do. feel like we should probably be start putting that in the beginning of the podcast. But if you've made it this far, you know, maybe you like listening to us. Maybe you like what we do. You can help us by uh, reviewing our podcast. Give us a five-star review. You could help us. By posting about us on social media. You could help us by telling a friend. You can also get a free sticker at our website, but I didn't tell you. <laughs> just kidding. I just told you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, think of it as, uh, as just a tip for uh, some, hopefully, an entertaining uh, little bit of time out of your day. Yep. So, thank you so much for jumping in on social media and and doing all those things as Chelsea said. So, thanks for sticking with us through this episode of Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the crimes that have kind of some great similarities between what we see in the movie. So, that's it. Just remember, death is but a door
1: and time is but a window.
0: <laughs> we'll be back.